Welcome back to the TLC podcast with me, Venus Levido, and me, Natalie Ben. Um, this is the second episode of our live event recording um, with Sapphire Bates, um, Grace, Alec, Neelam, who created Don't Sleep on Us, and the artist Lakshmi. Yeah. So, um, what's this episode? What's in this episode? We talk about grief. Grief. We talk about how the internet has affected loneliness. Yeah. And a couple of other little things. We also have questions for the audience. Yes. Yes. Um, and stay tuned to the end because I think at the end you asked everyone at our event if they would hug the person next to us. It was oh, so cute! I loved it so much. Cool about that. Yeah. Oh, was cool. Well, the best way to end it. So, um, let us know what you think. Please give us a review and share it if you enjoyed the episode. Yes, please. And have yeah. a lovely day. Enjoy. Bye. next question is why and this is the reason why we started our podcast why do you think it's so hard to say when you feel lonely and why do we feel embarrassed about it um i think for me it's also i will relate it to grief because it's the most recent thing that i've been through and i felt like i had because i'm generally quite a strong person um people see that you get on with things and that necessarily they don't need to check in with you because you feel they feel like you're getting on um and sometimes they don't want to open that that box um and (laughs) sit with you crying your eyes out um because it it is vulnerability is something that people i i guess find scared and they don't know how to deal with it um and i think the problem is that we just don't talk about it um and I talk now a lot about grief because it's the only way that I can deal with it. Um, And I actually find it really, it is an outlet. And even if nobody is listening, it's something that I've got off my chest that, you know, even if I've sobbed in the car for an hour because I really miss my mum, it's actually really relieving. And I don't feel embarrassed to cry about that, even if all the drivers coming past me are like, what's this woman doing? But it's... It is actually, it's fine to to just offload. I think it's so good that you're talking about it because I think the problem, not problem with grief, is that we don't talk enough about, like, losing people. And I think everybody's so scared of what to say. So even the people that are in your support network, I think everybody treads almost on eggshells and they, like, people want to be there for you, for them, for whoever, but they're scared to say something. And, like, they're almost... You can see when people... You can see people like clam up when they're like dealing with someone who's going with through grief or has just lost someone, and they're like, oh, "Okay, like hope you're good." Like <laughs> they Absolutely. like panic. And, and I think sometimes all it is is that person doesn't necessarily even want to be listened to. It's just having someone sitting next to you and yeah. being like, "It's okay, just do what you need to do." And I think most of the time, people are like. So there's one thing that I always say is that whenever someone says time is a great healer, I always say don't say that to someone who's grieving because there is nothing that time can do that is going to heal that wound. And it's, it's, it, there are so many common phrases that we use to just shut that... What it, it, I know your yeah. intention is not to shut the person up, but it's just to make that awkward moment go away. 
And that awkward moment is necessary. Like, you need it. Because otherwise that person's never going to start to re-navigate life and heal, as it were. Um, so taking it... So I, I, I totally understand your feelings of grief. I don't think that's anything I've ever felt at a mature level, more of a child level. And I think with maturity, I kind of... God, you've got shit going on, do you get me? So it's just like when I was in my teens. But I've definitely felt loss, but I don't think on the level of grief. But in terms of what you were saying with like loneliness, why are we so lonely? I think if we look at our parents' generation or maybe our grandparents' generation, there was it was very turbulent, like socially, politically. So a lot of things that they have installed in them, a lot of feelings, beliefs, are there truths? I'm not taking it away from them because I don't think you can generally correct mentality. You've gone through what you've gone through, unless you're like killing off people, that's a problem. But I mean, like if you keep, if as long as you're cute with it and you keep it to your house, that's fine. But I think they grew up in such a fractured time that it's naturally just trickled down to us that we have this, maybe we don't hate a certain type of person anymore or that kind of stuff, but you have this innate feeling of loss out. Just there's this anger and animosity, you don't know why. So as long as you can just speak freely and speak openly, I think that's really, really important in a sense of like dealing with the loneliness. And I think because we were conditioned in a fact of our elders being so angry, that we just, we don't really know when's the safe time to talk, but I think in a lot of times, a simple conversation can just solve a lot of things because we all have our innate, like, oh, I hate that. I hate when they do that at the coffee shop. Do you know what I mean? But as long as you just get to a point of like, yo, like I'm gonna have to deal with that problem one day, then I think that's when things start changing. I think it is also important though to note that grief doesn't necessarily have to be a loss of someone. And actually, when you are lonely, it could be a grief of yourself when you were in a better time. And so, so like that's something that I learned when going through grief, that that is not only just the person, you also grieve the person that you were before you lost that person. So that, that, that also is part of loneliness. This is what I mean, like, with, like, a simple conversation. I never, ever attach grief to that person, but I look back at times in my life where I was like, oh, that was cool that you did that, and then you kind of miss that drive that you had as that person. So when you say it like that, I think, yeah, like, rah, I've gone through grief. Of course I have. I think we all have. But, like, I just associate that with the loss of something, someone. But yeah, I am also someone, so, yeah. yeah. Ratings. <laughs> Um, I was going to make a different, completely different point then, but then what you were just saying about missing a person that you were and grieving for that sort of former, almost like a former life, completely rang true because when I had um, uh, my brain tumour diagnosis, I was pulled out of uni. Um, it was, well, fortunately, I finished my degree. It was my, the end of my third year, but I think there were just two weeks left and I'd done all my assignments, but it was just like all the fun left to have, like all the parties and stuff, and all the saying goodbye to all my friends and things before we all went our separate ways around the country. And that was really, really hard. And it was only when I had counseling, I think about a year later, that I realized that I had mourned for that time. And I did feel really lonely, obviously, because I was suddenly in this kind of environment where I wasn't just back home, where I didn't really know anyone anymore. But I was also going through something on my own, like with people around me, but nobody who quite got it and and yeah and it, it's so hard and you do miss sort of who you were and you do kind of think back and remember sort of your past self and things and you kind of grieve for that person and I would love to be able to go back and kind of truly enjoy like the last those last two weeks 
but you kind of have to get your head around the fact that that can't happen. You can just make the most of what you have now. But what I was originally going to say was about um, my um, bit of a tangent here, but I'll keep it brief, was about my granddad. Uh, my granddad is 82 years old. He, we lost my grandma um, four years ago. And um, they'd been married for, uh, I think, 55 years. And when you were saying about generations, I was like, yes, because he was just completely lost when she passed away. Like, he, he didn't know what to do. And he was not there for kind of us as much as, you know, maybe I would be if it was sort of my um, partner or whatever, because he didn't really know how to be without her because he always had been. And he um, told me once we had this little conversation because I'm very content with myself. I love my own company. Um, I do crave a bit of socialising now and again, but I've got to a point where I'm very comfortable on my own. But he um, confided in me and said he he hates his own company and he wakes up every morning and he's alone and he hates spending the days on his own. And I just think that's so sad that he never kind of got the chance to learn how to be on his own. And that is a generational thing. And I just kind of... And then we had to kind of teach him how to go out and, like, meet people and, like, socialise. And he's better now, but that was... So sad to see. And he was ashamed. He was really ashamed of being lonely. He didn't want to admit it. So, I don't know if that is just a generational thing, though. I think that's still... No, I mean, maybe it was more that they wouldn't talk about it. Like, they wouldn't yeah. reach out. Because, like, I know people... I think we all know people who go from relationship to relationship to relationship. And that's a similar thing in that they've never been comfortable by themselves. And they feel that in order to feel complete, they need to be with somebody else. And they can't, there are some people who just cannot, you know, just cannot feel comfortable by themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it does mean that if there's ever a point where, say, a loss or just a point where, where there is no one there and they are by themselves, they do feel just completely alone because they've never experienced, they've never had that time. Like, I mean, I've had years by myself. <laughs> like, I'm good at this now. Um, but I think it is important to learn to, like, have your own company and be comfortable in it, even if you want, you know, the aim doesn't have to be that you're going to be by yourself for, like, ever. But you have to be okay with it. But it's interesting, isn't it? But it's, it's a similar thing. I think for me, like, growing up, I always thought, like, watching my parents and, like, the way that they, like you said, a generational thing, like, they grew up to get married, have children, have a family, be surrounded by lots of people. And in, like, and that just never was me. Like, I was like, I'm not, that's not what I find for me to fix my loneliness is surrounding myself with a family or a husband or a wife or whatever it's going to be. Like, it's just, I think it like, is part of that generation. Yeah, I felt very um, attacked when you said from relationship to relationship because I was that person. <laughs> no, I've, I've been single for a year. It's amazing but I definitely as a teen was like trying to fill a void by being in a relationship and very dependent um I'd like to move on to talk about the internet which I know we touched on briefly before I know it feels like we're connecting but are we okay so obviously like I run an online community so um, I hope I'm not Mike Hoggan, by the way. Um, just take it off me. Um, I obviously run an online community, and my whole thing is about creating meaningful connections online um, because I think the, in some ways the internet's a very, very lonely place, and you can, be, you can have so many followers or so many people DMing you even and actually still feel incredibly like alone. But I think the key is 
the level of connection that you have with people. It has to be meaningful. And what that means is that, you know, you can, someone can reply to your DM and say like, oh, you know, love your top or like, how are you? But if you just say, yeah, I'm good, you, there's no like depth to that conversation. Like you have to, I think it's about learning how to have that conversation online because I think you can have conversations that happen virtually that you walk away with feeling touched or fulfilled in some way or less lonely, but only if you learn to get past that kind of almost false conversation. I think it's when you're surrounded by, yeah, when you never sort of, you, you just have all that shallow conversation, like I'm sure you get lots of DMs and you know that you can, like when I'm replying to people, if I'm not trying to actively, if I'm not thinking about it, none of those conversations have any real depth. Like I could have not had any conversations and have felt the same. So it's about how you react with people and that means you have to be honest. And when, if someone says, how are you? Like you have to actually say how you are and not just say, yeah, yeah I'm good, babe, how are you? Like, cause there's no depth. I can't think of any other word than I keep saying depth. Sorry, I'm just gonna pass this over. Um, for me, um, social media, I generally use as a business utensil. I kind of hate the whole, I don't hate it, don't get me wrong, but I hate the whole virtual connections. You, I hate how, and I'm guilty for this too, how I feel like I'm being a good friend by dropping the message. But when was I there in person? And I know we say about long distance relationships, but I think that's something that physical manifestations of time have then allowed you to get to that point. So I definitely keep social media at one end. I close it off, close it on. That's where I earn my money. That's, <laughs> I'm not trying to chill at the workplace every day. So I just, I come in and out of that. But to me, it just can never, you can't match the physical connection of meeting someone. And I'll, I'm a very like, I'm very into like my energies kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm a specialist, but if you've got bad juju, like I will feel it on my chest and you can't come near me. <laughs> but if you're good, like I, in here, like it's just, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it's such a good energy. Like we're an open vibe and I really feel like you could ask any question right now and you're in a safe space. But I've been in rooms of three, four people where you think, oh yeah, it'll be fine, but it's just like, you, do you know what I mean? So I think I keep them very, very separate. And I think that's why I'm kind of okay now. <laughs> I think there is a very fine balance of what is too much and what is too far away. And I think, uh, especially in my work, there has to be an element of personal because I reach out to so many other women and connect with them and try to um, show them that they are they are worth so much more than we we are led to believe um, but also then it can they, like when you share something very personal it can be quite overwhelming so for example when I shared my my grief and the journey that my mum went through I had so many messages and some some they you know they want to know what's going on and, and it's because you've shared that and you've you feel like you, there is no balance between oversharing and and undersharing, um, and it can be quite addictive as well. And I think it's it's all about learning and trial and error. But I think social media can be quite damaging, as well as <laughs> not un, not not good for business. Um, so, but I can I can vouch for Sapphire in in the way that her community works and. Having been a member, I have connected with so many people on both a work level and a personal level, um, and through social media have 
made some really valuable friends that connect with me through my art that I'd never connected with people in my life before. Um, so I think, yeah, very fine balance. I thought it was literally to do with social media, so I just want to add one thing. Um, you, go, you go for it. Okay. <laughs> um, which is what you said about this virtual um, world and virtual interactions. I feel like they're not a thing. I, I see... Um, Instagram as very much and, and actually any social media platform as being a very real space um, that does exist it just happens to be we have the different means of having different spaces and different formats and online and social media has been one of them since um, since you know for 10 over 10 years and since I've grown up so it's very much a very real space and if there's um, if there's online trolling, you're going to feel that. If there's, you know, positive messages coming your way, you'll feel that. And it's it's very real. Um, so that's all I wanted to say. I, like, totally get what you're saying about, like, in person. I think there's nothing better than physically, like, the physical... Like, a, t a human touch can do so much for people, like, biologically and, like, mentally. But I, don't, I know that, like, one of the things... There's so many reasons in life why people might not be able to physically meet people. And, like, for me, although a lot of people would write off something online as, like, oh, well, you know, it's not as good as in person, but there's, like, there's disabilities. There might be illnesses, like, if you end up in hospital, if you run a business and you don't have any money to travel. Like, I lived, when I had my flash studio, I was, like, in, like, the countryside, and I couldn't necessarily get to, like, where the other people physically were, <laughs> even though I might have wanted to. And I think... And, like, mental health, like, there's people, like, agoraphobia, like, the people that just can't get out. Or if you have a family, if you've got young kids and you can't get anywhere, like, although it might not match up in some ways, I think it's still important for such a large proportion of the population who are, like, isolated and, you know, like, the elderly and all this, all these kinds of people that maybe can't get that physical thing. Like, it's kind of like a counter bounce. I don't think it could ever replace it, but it's equally as really important for certain, like, people. I was going to just say, like, I think, I think how social media can be utilised is incredible. And I can only say from my... I totally understand. Like, I understand how it connects different people from around the world. I've got family. My origins are from Barbados. So, like, I, I would not be able to speak to my family every day if it wasn't for that. So I understand the blessing of that. But nothing matches my auntie's hug. And I totally understand the concept of it but I can never say that when I've messaged any of my family that are abroad and my friends that live abroad it has never matched them being there with me and but it's a nice reminder and it's a nice it's like a, oh, okay you're good like you can get your, you can get what you need from it but the physical to me is just in a whole different space um okay so we'll do one more question and then we'll go to Q&A um yeah, so, okay, our last question is, what would you say to someone who feels utterly alone, feels like they have no friends and is feeling really isolated? What would be the best advice you could give that person? I think um, to reach out, and even if it is just to share. For me, when I was particularly lonely, especially um, after the dust had settled, um, I used my art and just poured my heart into it. Um, and it became both an escape and a way to share how I was feeling in a different way, to communicate in a much different way that felt more um, open and honest for me. Um, and um, 
it sounds very poetic, but it actually made me grow in a very different way um, and helped me to navigate grief and how, how I felt very isolated at the time. I don't, yeah, I think one thing to remember is that no matter how alone you feel, you're never completely alone and, and there's always going to be, you might not have anyone in your network at that point in time or have a support group, but there are, there are places you can, communities you can find, be it online or offline, where there's other people who feel exactly the same and though all, you know, both of you are craving that connection and similar to what you said, like the times I felt loneliness, I, I, I can't do art, so mm. <laughs> couldn't do that. But like I'd dive into like a book and I'd like dive into someone else's world and read like a character's life and like something that brought me joy on like and really like tried to be grateful for like the small things. Um, because whilst it can feel like everything, like the be all and end all, not having anyone around you, you can find joy and like happiness in other places and knowing that that will come, I think. Mine, yours sounds really poetic, but mine sounds a bit like shit. But there you go. <laughs> I, think, I, I think it's just a step. Like every day is another step. And if it makes you feel slightly better today than you did this morning when you woke up, then I think that is a worthwhile journey. Yeah, 100%. And I guess also, like, I think what I learned per or I have found personally is the onus was on me to get out of that loneliness. Sometimes you, I spent a long time kind of waiting for someone to almost like rescue me from that loneliness. Like a friend would appear or a parent would reach out or, you know, a community would, I would, it would stumble upon me and be like, welcome, you know, open their arms, like come to us, child. But like that doesn't really happen. I think when you feel really alone, you have to, if you really want to find that human connection, you have to leave the house or you know you have to put yourself in a place where you're going to find that like it, if you do stay at home it's not as or you can go online obviously but you have to want to find it and be sort of a little bit brave i i just wanted to add but i also think that being introverted is not something to be ashamed of because oh, yes. actually the most satisfying is when you actually get yourself out of that feeling that you had um and that actually can be more powerful than someone else doing it for you and I think loneliness doesn't like, I don't think it's like, it like, it, I experience loneliness like frequently, like I will get myself out of it, but it's not something you like cure and it never comes back. Like you, it will come around time and time again when life throws shit at you or your situation changes. Like, so I think it's learning how you deal with that and how to respond to it because chances are it might happen again. Like, <laughs> um, so I started uh, my blog when I was 17 and um, I was kind of, uh, I, w I went to college in this town um, that was quite a distance away from my hometown and it wasn't where all my peers from my um, secondary school went. Um, so I was one of very few from my school who went there and I didn't really know many people um, and they all knew each other because all the other people at college had gone to all the same schools. So um, I felt like I was a step behind everyone else and... I do remember feeling very lonely and very misunderstood and, you know, and I was coming out of my emo phase and, and all that kind of thing. And I, on a complete whim, one, like, lunch break, I think it was, or, like, between lessons, um, I started a blog um, and I just started writing all my feelings onto it. And that, and this sounds so wanky, but, like, the way um, you say poetic, I say but like for me it's wanky um not you me um and you are poetic i'm wanky um and just to make that clear 
just to make just to make this clear. Um, but I I would write things down. I had notebooks. I had diaries, and I would scribble things down. And then I would put my notebook in my bag, and I'd carry it around with me for the rest of the day. And I felt like I had not released my feelings. I felt like I was still carrying them around, and I felt like they were still weighing down on me. And so. Uh, yeah, I found this online space and I started just getting all my feelings out on there. I started writing about like the guy in my drama class I had a crush on and like how it, it sort of disconnected I felt from my old friends from school who were sort of going off to this new college and meeting new people without me. And and that was really therapeutic for me because I felt like as soon as I hit publish on a post, it was gone and I'd sort of let it out. Um, I didn't realise that was when I was 17. I didn't realise until like the end of my first year at uni that anyone could find it on the internet and read it. Um, so I started sort of like moderating what I wrote after that. But um, but yeah, it was so therapeutic for me. And actually recently kind of where um, I found my, in the last sort of few months, my mental health has taken a bit of a dip and I haven't been writing as much. I haven't been being as creative because I haven't had time. And I've started setting aside time to do that again I'm hoping and write just like a chatty blog post just kind of not trying to kind of give it an angle or an opinion or you know kind of drop kind of links in here and there and like just just writing stuff from sort of the heart and the mind like I used to and seeing if it helps and hopefully yeah I think it's gonna help so that's that would be my suggestion start start a blog <laughs> it's funny you say like when you realize people could access your vlog, you started to change how you were sort of presenting yourself, I guess. It, my, I think, because I, I write so much every time I feel overwhelmed, like I said, I either write in a physical diary or I write on, on my notes on my phone. Um, and I think when I, when I think about, oh, maybe I should share this on Instagram, it always changes and I become less authentic and I don't go as hard as I would. Um, and often, recently, because I've started writing a gratitude journal um, at least once a week, and sometimes I find, like, I'm, I'm always going to events and I'm always really busy all the time um, with work and with then my event, which means that I have to go and support other people's events. And not, not saying that it's a bad thing, but it does mean that I don't have much time for myself. And sometimes when I'm writing, I sit down to finally write in this journal, I start crying because I'm like so overwhelmed with like, I guess being grateful, but also just like, oh my God, I just feel so tired and exhausted and busy um and so whilst I'm writing I'm like why the fuck am I crying like it starts to come out in that way um but I would follow on from what you said Sapphire um about community and I think it should not be underestimated this power of finding of being with people um that you can feel at home with um I've had people say to me like they come to my events and they feel like their anxiety has been lifted for that moment that they're in the room um, and they finally feel like they're not alone, you know. Um, but I do think that there's, like, the reason why I started, I think, like you said, Lakshmi, your art form, um, for me, it's presenting and bringing all of these people together. That's my art and that's what keeps me going. So it might look like I'm doing it for other people to come together and, you know, this community, but I do think... If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. Um, and the thing that keeps me going might be them, but it's definitely 100% got an element of, I love this, and that's why I won't stop, and it's my art, so. Can we, can we also recommend therapy? Because um, 
I think it's great. I think everybody should go to therapy, um, even if you don't think you need therapy. Some of those people need therapy the most. Um, but sometimes when you're... I feel like sometimes people feel that to go to therapy, you have to have something like wrong with you or something major has to happen. And sometimes, actually, you're far better working through your shit beforehand so that when those major life shit storms come at you, you're kind of more in a better in a place and more secure in yourself to deal with it. And I think... A couple, maybe not a couple of years ago, maybe more than a couple of years ago, therapy was super in, like inaccessible and it would be like a really middle class thing to say, oh, you should all go to therapy <laughs> because it would have cost a couple hundred pounds. But nowadays there's so many places that you can go. You can get therapy online as well so you don't even have to leave the house. You can do it on Zoom and like Skype and shit, which is mad. Um, but you can pay as little as like 45 pound an hour, which is still a chunk of money, but you don't have to necessarily commit to that every like every week if you can't. Um, and there's certain, like, there's a really great therapist in Soho, and she does it, I think a few of them do, but she's the only one I've seen. They do it on, like, a sliding scale, so depending on how much you earn, depends on how much she charges you. Yeah. So, like, it's more accessible, I think, than people think, and I think more people would benefit from it than they think. I don't, therapy's the one, man. And people, people listen to you for, like, a whole hour. <laughs> Um, I will second that therapy absolutely um, I actually have um, a local place called Counselling Plus who it's pay what you can they're a charity and so they literally kind of agree with you you sit down and kind of say okay and like for a while Counselling Plus and yeah they rely on donations they kind of have like some deals with kind of brands like co-op and stuff like you know sort of a portion or whatever goes to their charity but they're a really small like it's like just this old sort of house and like all the, I only found out recently all the counsellors volunteer so the money kind of goes to the company but like, or the charity, but the council's all volunteer, which is amazing. And I would always feel so guilty because there was a time when like, I was signed off work because I was ill and um, I could only pay like 10 or 15 pounds a week. And I would always apologize like frantically like, for the last five minutes of the session. I'd be like, I'm so sorry, I don't have any more. And she would be like, do not apologize. That's all you can afford, you know. Um, but before that, I had a private counselor um, as well and I would pay her sort of like 35, 40 pounds, I think it was. And um, one of my colleagues at the time, I remember saying, oh, I can't afford that. Uh, you know, that's quite, extra quite an extravagant, you know, expense. And I remember saying, well, you know, like, no shade whatsoever. Like, you know, she would buy, like, a couple packs of fags a week and stuff like that. And I'd be like, it's kind of, you're paying for something that's for you. And it's probably, like, the best investment you can make, like, in sort of counselling, because it's, it's for you, it's for your brain. Like, there's nothing more important. I think everyone should invest in it. So I think one of the biggest things and the most important thing that we're all bringing away from this conversation is that we've all found something that when we feel at our most loneliest we turn to. And this is the advice I normally give to someone when they are feeling really low. It's go and do something for yourself that you enjoy. Because we forget we, are, we, we don't like to be selfish. We don't like to take time out for ourselves. We forget to do that. And we have to remind ourselves and each other and the world just to take time for you. Um, and whether that go to the gym or go have a cigarette like whatever it is it could be the smallest thing it's just so important to remind ourselves that it's okay to be selfish and for so many years I was not selfish and it got me to like a breaking point in my life and then I just snapped I was like no that's it I'm gonna be sad and I've never been happier I would argue that that's not being selfish but <laughs> um yeah I second that I also think I've uh, really enjoyed listening to everyone and um, I think it's just so wonderful that what I've learned tonight is that loneliness doesn't necessarily have to be 
a negative thing and it can lead to such beautiful things, whether that's through art, through um, pushing you to create new friendships and new connections. And so there can be a lot of positivity in loneliness and we wouldn't have um, connected the way that we did because I think it was like the third time I spoke to you on the internet and I just felt like something was wrong and I called you and you were just, I said, I just feel so lonely. And um, like, you're one of my best friends now and I don't want to get emotional. <laughs> but like, it, loneliness can lead to such beautiful things. So it's not necessarily a negative emotion. Addressing it, talking about it is so, so important. But it can also lead to a lot of really beautiful things. So, thank you so much. Okay, I've got a task. Everyone get up and hug the person next to them, please. Yay! This is happy. I love it. This is so cute. Okay, so thanks for doing that and thanks for listening. Can we give a round of applause to our guests, please? I just want to say thank you all. And this is, like, you, you know the girls, you know the girls <laughs> and they're killing it. And these, I'm very lucky to be on a panel with all of you. So oh, it's been lovely briefly meeting you, <laughs> but well, I'm sure we'll link up soon. We'll link up soon. <laughs> thank you. If you're worried about your mental health or worried for somebody else, then please call the Samaritans number on 116-123 for free. Thank you for listening to the TLC podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends, share it on the socials, tag us, write us a review. All that good stuff really helps us out so, so much. Thank you, Weirdies, for letting us use their wonderful, wonderful music. You can stream Motive now on Spotify. Roll it out of four